when they come to look at your property, you want to make sure that you deliver them the message that if they live in this home, their life will be perfect. So no clutter, everything put away, a place for everything and everything in its place. You're listening to the She Renovates podcast. You're listening to She Renovates, the podcast for women who want to renovate to create an income and a life they love. Hello, Renovator. It's Bernadette here. And today's episode is how to create an emotional connection with your buyer. Now, I am broadcasting this from my quarantine location in Melbourne East in Melbourne, but I'm happy to say that this experience is about to come to an end because I had my day 13 COVID test yesterday and that was negative, and so I'm expecting to be released in the next 24 hours. So apologies if the audio is not up to scratch. I'm doing my best. However, I don't have the luxury of my home office broadcasting office. So here we go. It's really important to understand this concept, particularly if you are buying, renovating and selling or if you are renovating and selling your family home. If you've bought a home for yourself, you would have experienced that sensation where you feel like your heart has skipped a beat, that little flutter of excitement when you step into a home that you are deeply connected with and you want to be able to make that your family home. It becomes a bit of an obsession. And as renovators, we want to be able to trigger that little flutter in potential buyers because that's what lifts the lid on price. So just to explain some of the dynamics around it, our brain is divided into two main parts that take a role in everyday decision-making. There is the primitive limbic system, which among other things is home to our emotions, and the neocortex where the logic and rational thinking happens. When emotions are triggered the path of decision-making can be short-circuited to bypass the more rational neocortex straight to the limbic system, which makes decisions very quickly and without logic. So as a renovator, we want to be able to trigger that emotional part of our buyer's brain in order to cover all those costs that we need to cover before we get into profit. So you often hear people talking about managing your emotions when you buy a property. And that is really sage advice because most bad decisions are made because we get too emotionally involved. And basically what that does is it cancels out logic and reason. Now, I wouldn't assume that your potential buyer won't use logic and reason in their deliberation. But you basically need to engage that emotional section first. And so then the logical part just needs to back it up, that feeling when you're looking for reasons in order to validate a decision. That's the sort of scenario that we're looking to engage slightly underhanded, but not too bad. 
And so I'm going to go through some steps to enable you to master this technique. Now, the first thing that you should be um, thinking about, particularly when you're buying the property, is to buy something that, that when you are selling it is likely to have an owner-occupier as your buyer. So you want uh, to buy a property that you're going to be selling to someone who's buying it as their family home because we get very emotional, and this is generally human beings get very emotional with decisions around their family home, but if it's an investment property, that decision tends to be made more about numbers and much more logically. So it's much harder to get an investor to basically lose their head over the purchase of your property because they will tend to look at the yield, they'll look at the maintenance costs, whether it stacks up that way. Whereas if someone is buying for themselves in order to live in and to nurture their family and grow it, they're going to be basing their decision on softer criteria. So does it feel right? And so I'm going to walk you through some of the things that we think about when we are preparing a property for sale, a renovation for sale to an emotional buyer. Now, the first one is to manage first impressions. So we know that statistically it takes about three minutes for a potential buyer to understand at that very primitive level, instinctive level, whether this home is for them or not. So an emotional buyer will have an emotional buyer will have made the decision about whether the home is for them before they even know they've made it. And because it's on that very primitive level in the primitive part of the brain and it's made emotionally. And that happens in the first three minutes. So what we need to do is manage those first three minutes very skillfully. Now, the first thing that will happen is that they will go for a drive past and look at the property from the outside to get an understanding whether the type of property that they might want to buy. And there'll be lots of stuff going through your potential buyer's head. It won't just be it won't be just about their feelings about it. They'll also be thinking about what it means about them in terms of their status, people they work with, visit them at their home, what's going to make them think about them and where they are in the world. Managing the street appeal is incredibly important because as I've said many times before, Buying a property is a supply and demand situation and if you can get more people to get out of their car and come in and look at your property, then you are increasing the supply and therefore you're increasing the demand and increasing the likelihood that more than one person will fall in love with it and want to buy it. So, Street appeal is the first thing. The next thing is the entrance. So when someone steps in the door, their first, what they look at has to make them feel like, yes, I've landed. I'm in a home that I know that I'm going to love. So spending some time on the first room in the house is critically important. And I really like 
to have a scenario when someone steps in the house that they can't see a lot of what's to come, that their view is obscured. So the home sort of reveals itself in stages. So I like them to step in the door and maybe see a beautiful piece of artwork and maybe a hall table, something that grounds them to have them feel that there is more to come, but what they see at the moment is very beautiful. And so then the next step is that they move forward and are totally wowed. So the wow is revealed. And so we tend to call that the hero room and it's the strongest room in the house. And that's, so often it will be the kitchen living outdoor scenarios. So if you've got something that's open plan, then right there you can see that it's very beautiful, contemporary, open plan, modern, and you can see that your life will be pretty well perfect. You will be an entertainer. There's plenty of space for you to have your friends around that island bench. In recent episodes, we talked about Bernard Salt's account of how home design has evolved and that whereas once the kitchen was at the back of the house and the entertaining happened in the front rooms and nobody ever got past there whereas now they come right down into the house going past the bedrooms which are all beautifully styled which he referred to as pillification and then to the kitchen to the area around the island bench, which is now become a status symbol. And so the materials in that area have become more upmarket with flash tapware and stone bench tops to impress guests. So if you can think about what your buyer's first three seconds are going to be like, where what is going to be your um, hero room, Will their entrance into your home be spectacular? And is the street appeal beautiful? Then that you're on to a really good start. So Odette and I did a renovation on a two-bedroom apartment in Arncliffe. And I was really concerned because the apartment was at the right at the back of the building. So it was a bit of a trap to get to it. And it really, I felt, took away from the apartment because getting the road to the apartment, those first few um, minutes were not ideal. And so if you've got a situation like that, you need to do something to draw people in. So things like the picture on the photo board out the front need to absolutely blow the socks off your buyer, draw them in. And we managed to do that with our kitchen. But that's you want to think about what the journey of your buyer is going to be like and do the best you can to make that as perfect as possible. For instance, our agent, our selling agent, actually brought a pair of secateurs and tidied up the hedge going down that track so that people weren't going to get whacked in the face by errant strands of jasmine sticking out so really thinking through that journey so the next thing you want to do is give them what they want so basically sell them the dream now for most people looking for a new home they have left something that's less than ideal doesn't have enough storage they don't fit in it anymore so it feels cramped 
And when they come to look at your property, you want to make sure that you deliver them the message that if they live in this home, their life will be perfect. So no clutter, everything put away, a place for everything and everything in its place. This means making sure if someone opens a wardrobe, what they see inside is tidy, not that they open a wardrobe and everything tumbles out on top of them. So if they look under the kitchen sink, it's all very ordered. And as I said, there's a place for everything and everything in its place. And that's why I always love to do things like put a wine fridge in because for our potential buyer, if they see themselves as an entertainer, they can imagine themselves tossing the salad at the kitchen bench and topping up their guest glasses as they prepare the meal. So most people leave chaos behind for, for several reasons, but mainly because they've just grown out of their home. There is a reason why they're looking for another home. And it's important to note that it's not just a home that they are looking for. They're looking for a better life, okay? And so they're looking to your home to deliver that. So your job is to make sure that it does. And I think this applies to really any property. Nobody, one, wants to buy other people's dirt and two, wants to buy problems. So you want to make sure that you have eradicated the home, no matter how far you go with the renovation, in eliminating those two things. And if you can add a third thing and add their dream to the offering, then you are well on the way to getting the outcome that you want. And of course, the next thing is use some props. And by props, I mean styling. So with property styling, you can account for a multitude of sins. And while I, a lot of DIY styling, it's really important to include some elements that are really on trend. It doesn't have to be everything, but some things that a potential buyer is likely not to have in their own home so that it seems that your property is really on trend and cutting edge. And I actually like to have something in each room that really sets the tone and is, we do all sorts of tricks like we make headboards out of holocore doors and we use inflatable beds as beds, but also making sure that you include some items that really set the tone. So it might be a really beautiful bedroom chair. It could be the artwork on the wall. I actually think the artwork, not it's not necessarily need, doesn't necessarily need to be really expensive, but it needs to wow your buyer. So really important. And so often we solve some of our renovation problems with styling. You might have a problem area Rather than spending a lot of money making big changes with panelling or whatever you're going to do, maybe just add a feature piece of furniture there to solve the problem. common area that could be problematic is under the stairs. So thinking about how you can solve that problem with styling before you start spending money. The next thing is to engage the bell effect. And when I'm talking about the bell effect... That's a uh, phrase that I coined myself. I'm talking about Bell Magazine. Now, a lot of people say people don't want a, a home where it looks like they're living in a magazine. And I want to tell you that they absolutely do. 
But your task as a renovator is figure out which magazines. So is it going to be, is it Kinfolk, the hipster type magazine, or is it going to be Coastal? Or is it going to be Bell magazine, really elegant and classy? But you need to figure out what it, what the magazine is. For example, if I was doing a renovation in an, quite a hipster area and I went all Hamptons-ish, it probably wouldn't go down too well. So it's not – there will be a few people around that would really love it, but on the whole it's not going to engage the – broader buyer base so you really want to make sure that you the style and the look and feel of the property is consistent with the type of buyer that you are going to be offering the home to and the next point I want to make is that you really want to use the power of a story to engage your buyer as well Every property has a story to tell and stories help create connection. You would know that when you go and look at properties, often the agent will have, always the agent will have some sort of story about the property, why the people are selling, who used to own it, so on. And by doing that, you have the opportunity to be able to have some control over that connection. So it might be around the history of the property, it might be around a past owner, it might be around the materials of the property, but pull together a story so that you can help your agent to engage potential buyers. Give them something to talk about to their buyers other than the hard sell. And also weave it into your marketing material. If you're really struggling for ideas, go and talk to the neighbours. Ask them about the history of the property. Neighbours are usually a very prolific source of information and usually quite prolific sharers. So I would suggest you do that in order to construct a story to go with the sale of your property. And another practical way to help your buyer fall even more in love with your property is to put together property fact sheets. So we do this when we sell properties and I think it's a really important task in which you go through every single room and you write a description of what they're buying because often if you don't tell your buyer what they're getting, they won't know because the agent doesn't have time to outline every single feature and things get missed and then so if you put together the property fact sheets what I do is I send it the file to my agent he gets it produced on letterhead and puts it in the brochures so that one it gives the potential buyers something to take home with them that sets your property apart and two it gives something for them them something to pour over and fall even more in love with the property oh i didn't realize that it had underfloor heating in the bathroom it's hard to convey that story unless you put a sign up on the wall which i think is a bit tacky but just to outline the features of every single room and so that they have a really um, good understanding of what they are buying and it helps them to engage even more with the property. And lastly, I want to suggest that you use 
your lighting in order to engage your buyer emotionally. So I think lighting is extremely powerful because it does have that ethereal effect and it can sell 24-7. So look at what you can do in the garden, in the windows, to be able to use some accent lighting that will draw people's attention to the property as they drive past. You, you've been in that situation where you've fallen in love with the property and you've driven past it about a thousand times before you buy, you've bought it. Having some lighting, up lighting on your trees. At Christmas time, I always put a Christmas tree in the window with the twinkly um, Christmas lights on it. Just whatever ways that you can think of to engage the power of lighting in order to be able to make an emotional connection with your buyer. So I hope that is useful. And before I go, I want to let you know that I have been thinking about basically what a rubbish year it's been because there's hardly a state in Australia that hasn't been impacted by the effects of the COVID lockdowns. And so what I've decided to do is to go all out with our annual conference this year. So we're going bigger and better. And within the next week, I will be releasing the details as I, as I have moved the, the date to the end of the year. And I was hoping that we would have be out of lockdown so we could do it live, but that's looking increasingly unlikely. And so we've just decided to bite the bullet and accept that we are not going to be doing it live, but to do our level best to make it the most amazing online event you've ever attended. And so one decision we've made is it's going from one day to two days. So we're going to have a two-day conference and we've got some awesome things lined up for it. Watch our emails because we will be opening up for ticket sales very soon and I think you're going to love it. Hi Bernadette, it's Ali in Canberra. Hi Bernadette, my name's Charlie. Hi Bernadette, it's Liz here. Hi Bernadette, this is James from Bondi in Sydney. I've got a question I'd like to ask. I have a question. I just have a question for you. Interested to hear your thoughts. Thanks again for the show. Love it. I love to hear from you and to get your Renault questions. If you've got a question about anything Renault related, please visit our website and click the Ask Bernadette button. Here's a question from Odette. Hi, Bernadette. It's Odette from Rhodes. My question is, what tile colours are good to use in a Renault that isn't a neutral or white? Okay. All right, Odette, you love to throw the curly questions in there. I am completely with you. I do get a bit over like white and grey bathrooms and and crave some colour. And what I would say is I wouldn't be too brave with your colour until you've developed your sort of mojo, till you've done a few renos and you've figured out whether the market likes your style and so on. If you are uh, determined to go for colour, I would suggest firstly starting with pastel colour. So I know we did a project in Bondi where we did the bathrooms all, all the walls in a sage green. 
and we paired that up with the terrazzo floor going for that 50s inspired look and that was received really well so we've used that tile a few times because when I love something I can't use it just once so yes yeah, so go for pastels like the the green the pale blue pink pastel pink even yellows making a comeback I've also seen bathrooms done in black fairly successfully, but you need to be reasonably confident of your, bar your market before you start heading down that, that path. We have really successful renovators who have developed a colour scheme that's fairly neutral and some would say boring, but get really high prices from, for their renos because they have a very broad appeal. So just be careful with being too restless about being neutral. I hope that helps. Hi, Bernadette. I just have a question for you. So I've come across the website and I am planning on doing a small bathroom renovation. We've got a house which is four bed one and a half bath so in the half bath which is a laundry we're wanting to put a self-contained shower unit and just do a renovation on the cheap in that bathroom to create a second bathroom so that a bigger renovation can come down the line anyway that's a long explanation but essentially the question is just how what's the best way to design it how should i go about designing it is there a tool that you would recommend in designing or making this design or should I just do that freehand? I'm going down the path of using a, a plumber and a builder that are going to get together and just make sure that it's done, but it's not, it doesn't need any formal designs or anything. But anyway, I was hoping you could help me. Thanks very much. My name's Charlie, by the way, and um, not sure how you're going to get back to me, but I'll leave this now. Thanks. Hi, Charlie. Thanks so much for your question. Bathroom renovation. So, Whenever we're looking at making a change, like it doesn't really matter much about like what you're doing in that laundry to turn it into a bathroom. You're going to be spending probably around seven, maybe $8,000 on it. And so that's quite a lot of money, firstly, to um, be spending on something that you're later going to go and take out. So I would urge you to look at basically whether you can get your master plan done so that money is spent just once. It's So the second thing is that in order to, I guess, get the best value out of your reno, you want to look at, so you've got four bedrooms and one and a half bathrooms, and I'm assuming that you're calling the laundry the half a bathroom. And so adding an extra bathroom is certainly going to add value. So we always look at how how are we going to add value? Is the money we spend going to increase the value of the house? And it absolutely will. So with a four-bedroom home, you probably need, you can have anything from two to two and a half bathrooms and still be in a, within the norm. So that's that sort of improves the ratio of bathrooms to bedrooms. And next thing is to think about basically what you're going to put in that bathroom. And I'm assuming you're going to need the laundry in there. Now, to give that property longevity, you want to think about who's likely to live in it. And it's likely to be families. If there are teenagers in the family, 
having a bathroom, I guess inhibiting your access to the laundry will drive any mother in particular insane. So I'd be looking at ways of providing access to the laundry from outside the bathroom, even if it is in the bathroom. So we're currently doing a project where we've got a similar scenario. We're turning a laundry into a bathroom, but I'm um, positioning the laundry in such a way that it will open out onto a, an external living area or onto a living area and so that it can be accessed. It's just like a, a European laundry on the casual living area so that it can be accessed when someone's using the bath. And so then the next thing is to think about what other components that you're going to put in there. So I know that you're putting in a shower. I'm assuming that you're not putting in a bath because you didn't mention it. But if you are, then you're going to have to uh, find space for that and a, and a good way of dealing with lack of space is by creating a wet room so where the shower and the bath are in the same in the same sort of area that has a screen screening it off in terms of designing it so we do lots of projects where we don't need architectural plans to design the property or the room so particularly bathrooms and kitchens so what I like to do is use the real estate, sorry, just had a little mind blank, use the real estate floor plan to design it. So blank out what's there and just redesign. You can do that with an online program in a PDF. One that I like to use is Canva, C-A-N-V-A. But I've just recently bought a an iPad with some apps for actually designing on the iPad. So you can do what I was doing in Canva now on a, on an app on the iPad with a pencil, uh, Apple Pencil, which is great. The other thing I'd like to mention to you, and this is not very commonly known, is that our architect, who is part of our business, has a little design service where he will, so he will design the concept because um, getting the layout is really important because you've got to live with it for a long time. In terms of developing a master plan, you might be interested to know that our architect, David, has a service that will basically fulfil this requirement. And so he will work with you to create a concept plan. So this is not working drawings. It's the design concept, which is really the thing that you need sort of the big picture of what changes you're planning to make to your property and it's very cost effective I think it's around about $500 but I'll include the link so that you can go and have a look and it may help you to develop that plan fairly time and cost effectively. This is the She Renovates podcast. To discover how to harness the power of renovating, check out theschoolofrenovating.com.